Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. This is the Piffles Podcast, episode 245. Thank you all so much for joining us with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast, whether you're listening on a podcast platform, uh, watching us on YouTube, or on Sastel Max On Demand. Thank you very much. My name is Alex. I'm Steve. And I would like to take this time to put my uh, put the Greg on Sports Bump behind the name Horny. For the uh, rush, I'm actually currently wearing my rush hat today. Uh, it's either horny or rowdy. I can't believe they're actually going with horny as one of the options. I really can't. Jeez. I, I, there's no, like there's no way thing. that wins. There's no way that wins. There's no way that wins. I, th- I think they actually the fact they've carried carried it this far. It just surprises me. I think they did that just to have you know, people pay attention this much longer. I really think that's the re I hope that's the reason why. Because well, because when they did the berries voting uh, and the Saskatoon berries won that Cobra chickens, once Cobra chickens dropped off, you could tell the engagement wasn't as much. So uh, yeah, I think they kept horny in there as long as possible, but I don't see it winning. My Saskatoon berries uh, hats should be here tomorrow. I'm excited for that. Um, you can give us a follow on uh, X. Um, or the the blue sky as well uh, at Piffles Pod. I'm at Real Alex D. I'm at Safamod. And as always, I do not need nor want your pity follows at Greg on Sports, despite what the eulogy said. Oh, I there, we will. I, I will gladly accept flowers in lieu. There is going to be a eulogy, a second one. Uh, we saw one this past Saturday. We're going to have another one here on the show this week. Um, yeah, it's going to be somber. Very somber. Piffles podcast is going to put the fun in funeral, though. I'm looking forward to uh, the rest of this episode. Why? <laughs> we'll remember the good times this year. We're celebrating, guys. It's a good time. It's it, it's it's a celebration. That's right. Was was firing Dicky the good the good times? Yeah. Was that it? Yeah. Don't get oh. don't get. You're getting way too ahead of ourselves. That's like that's you know like three minutes down the road here. Um, we're also everything before Facebook. pumpkin spice season. Everything before pumpkin spice season, like. Apple crisp fraps are actually the ones to go for, not pumpkin spice. Steve will attest to that, by the way. Can um, confirm. <laughs> Piffles podcast, of course, brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Go to pifflespodcast.com. Lots of stuff. Lots of engagement, especially on Facebook with uh, articles. Uh, really thankful for that. So everyone, thank you for uh, for reading the garbage I have to write. <laughs> <laughs> as a couple of people have told me that I'm not too bright and uh, this is garbage. So hopefully fair, you enjoy this not bright garbage. Um, but we have so much to talk about and I'm ready for some fun tonight, guys. Let's get to the opening kickoff. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start with, uh, we'll start with the football game on, on Saturday, the Riders 
final game of the 2023 season, uh, losing, which we kind of all expected, 29-26 to the Argos, um, dropping the record to 6-12, second straight year, losing seven to finish the season. Sigh. Like, <sighs> of course. But you know what? There was positives in that game. Um, like the Craig Dickinson giving his own eulogy pregame to the team. Um, I want to start. I want to start with that. The CFL posted this just after kickoff. Um, his motivational speech before the game to the players in the locker room. It's been an honor and a privilege to coach you guys. Let's go out there one more time with nothing to lose. You had everything to lose. You had the playoffs to lose. What do you mean there's nothing to lose? And it just, I saw that. And in the middle of the first quarter, I see, see this and I'm like, oh my goodness. He really just said goodbye to the team before the game. And I was like, there's no chance that they're actually going to win this. Not one. And ultimately I was right, but it actually looked like they were going to do really, really well. Um, I know you guys saw his pregame speech rah 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 whatever you want to call it what was your initial thoughts on that guys well i initially saw it i think i was the first one to see it because i saw it immediately when because you're right the cfl posted just as the kickoff was about to begin and unfortunately i couldn't make the game because my gallbladder had other plans for me so as i was sitting in the hospital i was kind of listening to luke and the other guy and i was checking my uh, ex and that showed up and i'm like and I sent it to you guys immediately going, what is this? Like he's, he, this is not a pregame motivational speech. This is like, see, like, see you guys down the line. Like it was the saddest, like there, there was no, no win one for the dicker. There was nothing. It was just, it was just like, okay guys, let's do what we got to do. And we can pack our bags tomorrow. We don't have to worry about playoffs. Like he legit sounded like he gave up on playoffs. Cause he did. The, the part I hate about that speech was the, uh, go out there one more time as if there was no hope of a game to follow that one. Everything about that speech said, this is it. This is our last game together. This is it. No more football. We'll always have bowling on Sunday, but this is it for the football field. So go out there and play, I guess. Like, Wait, this, like it, this it is wasn't, a speech it wasn't he should have a... made at their postseason bowling party. Like it, it wasn't even like go out and play hard, like leave nothing on the field. It was, there's nothing left to play for, which is completely backwards to what it should be. Like you want them to lay it all on the line. So they have a shot at the playoffs and that extra playoff money that I'm sure the players would appreciate. But instead it's like, Oh, well, I guess we're not making the playoffs. Calgary kind of fed it to us last week. They're probably going to, they're probably going to win again. It was least motivational coach of all time. But you see the contrast between him and his brother, Dave. And when the Stampeders backs were against the wall, they played an outstanding game against BC, except for the drives to, or the drops to start that game. But they went out and crushed BC in that game. They had everything to play for and they came out like that. The Riders had everything to play for in this game. And I mean, they did kind of, start out that way the first half was pretty good um they came out with those three e's 
that uh, that they were stressing the week before. Um, and there there was some good things in that game. Um, Sam Emelis, Sean Bain, both uh, going over a thousand yards. Um, Jake Dolagala to start the game was allowed to push the ball downfield, and we saw big plays happen. And we've been yelling about this for months since Labor Day. Let him let Jake cook. I even said or, it. I even you said even it. said that. That's right. That's how but, you can tell I was on very good meds at the hospital. <laughs> but like, it, they, they were moving the ball and they were controlling the better part of that game. And then once they decided to not push the ball in the second half and uh, lean on a run game that was getting two yards per carry, um, it just collapsed after that. And it was a second half collapse again by this team. And I mean, that game was a microcosm of the last two seasons. You want to know what the Riders 2022 and 2023 were like? Watch that game. Started out pretty well, had control for the most part, and then just crashed and burned at the end. And that's exactly what happened in the seasons. That's what exactly what happened in this game. They blew it to backups, third downs. They couldn't stop Cameron Dukes and ultimately ended up losing the game. I mean, there's not much wanna... more you can say about it. Like they just, like this team has pieces, and I know we're going to get to it. But obviously, coaching has failed them. A lot of those players were not put in the right position where they need to be. And hopefully, going forward, we can retain some of those pieces because that free agent list that came out this week looked pretty scary too. So, I all we can do is move on to next year at this point. We could have moved on to next year about six weeks ago, if we're really being honest with ourselves. This, this season has been going down the drain, even before Labor Day. Those two wins, you look back to the Labor Day and, and um, the game against BC, near identical to this, they just didn't collapse at the very end. Great first half, crapped the bed in the second half, held on for dear life. That's been this season, and honestly, I'm almost thankful it's over. Because... I didn't wasn't looking forward to any potential playoff game going into BC or potentially Winnipeg and trying to even be in a game of that nature. This is this is almost better. Get our offseason going. We can move on to the decisions that have been made and the ones to come. And we can look at head to hopefully brighter times. I don't know if it can get much darker than well, it is right now. Um, ask ask Ottawa is, fans about that. <laughs> well, no, no. Like, as my tenure as a Ryder fan, we've had some dark and lean years. Like I told you, I've momento 2011. But for the last two seasons, especially, there's a darkness in consuming the entire fan base right now that they are going to have to dig themselves through. It's no longer this team is terrible on the field. There's fans getting mad at the general manager, at the team president. Like it is not a good feeling right now to being a Ryder fan. And that's not just the on-field stuff anymore. The on-field stuff, winning solves. It's going to take a lot more than winning to get a lot of these fans to be to quit being apathetic. So post-game, Craig Dickinson, um, I put a, pulled a bunch of his quotes that he said. I'm not going to go through a lot of them just because he's not here anymore. But the one thing that just said that they worked hard in the offseason to get the right guys with the right character with the right skill set 
And he says he thinks they got that. So two questions. One, did they? Did they actually get that? Because if they did, I feel they would have won more than six games. They had less meatheads. Like it wasn't it wasn't terrible penalties that were killing them as much as it was last year. Last year, I'd argue they had a more talented roster, possibly, but they took a lot of really dumb penalties that caught put them in a lot of bad situations that caused them to drop a lot of those games they shouldn't have. Uh, do so. Did they have more character guys? Probably. Unfortunately, coaching didn't put the players in the right right positions. Having Micah I, I Tate's think, on a receiver is garbage. I think absolutely they, they had the right pieces to at least be more competitive than they were. I think third in the West is about where we should have finished. BC and Winnipeg had the talent to be far above us, but I think we were a better team than our six and twelve record. And I know that whole you're you're as good as your record is, and we are because of coaching decisions and mistakes, and you can pinpoint four or five games that coaching decisions lost us the game. And that's the difference between six and 12 and watching the playoffs and, and 10 and eight and, you know, getting ready for, for BC next week. There, there was a lot of bright pieces that came out of this year. You look at the Sam Emelis's, the Jaden Dalkies, the, you know, there, there's a lot of good pieces that came that, that shined bright and I think a lot of it came back down to, and we've harped on it all year, but it came down to coaching and the good pieces not being in the right places. Um, the one thing about Craig Dickinson post game is uh, he did say about losing seven straight uh, in back to back seasons, ending the season like that. How much is on you? He said, it's all on me. It was a different team, but we didn't win more. Um, they put more emphasis on the O-line, but it didn't translate to wins. So it's a failure. Give us an F on that. That was the first time I feel like I've ever really seen him take onus for the team's losing streaks. Um, so to me, that was actually nice to see um, because that's what a leader does. And that was the first time, unfortunately, way too late that I saw him be a leader of this team. Um, but then just saying, well, the people that make decisions will make their decisions and I respect whatever they're going to do. So you're just, you've, you already know you're not coming back is what that told me. Um, leaves with no regrets. I question that, <laughs> but I mean, hindsight, I guess. Right. Um, hey, no regrets. The check's all cleared. <laughs> yeah. You got paid. Um, When asked about a message to the fans, he said, I appreciate them. And it didn't work out like we wanted either. I wanted to let them know that we did everything we could this year to try and win and give them a product they could be proud of. It didn't turn out the way we hoped, but we're working our tails off to try and win, not only for the guys in the locker room, the city, the organization, and this province. Hopefully they feel like they can be proud of the effort given. And that to me was, yep, that's Craig Dickinson. Just in a nutshell. I hope they were proud. I was proud of the guys. I hope the team, or I hope the fans are proud of us. The fans aren't proud of you unless you win. Um, unfortunately, that's just the way pro sports is. And you can have all the nice players on your team all you want. You can have, you know, a, a very nice person as a head coach, which is what Craig Dickinson is. He's a great person. But if the effort's not there, 
from top to bottom, which it definitely was not again. I don't know how you can, as a fan, be proud of that. I I've no, I, I know I've been doing the Ken Miller, you get on a wish thing for, um, for Dickie for, I don't know how long. And I, and I still stand by it, but the more quotes I see from him that you pull for me, the more I think he's basically a dollar store Ted Lasso. <laughs> Cause like, what is he even talking about here? It's like, it's all about hope and hope the guys like, I'm surprised he didn't say I like, uh, uh, they could be a beta fish instead of a goldfish. Cause he's just, he's just espousing this stuff and none of it actually makes sense. If you look at it with just an ounce of like skepticism, because sure. Yeah. You, they're pro players. They're paid to play the game. Of course they're working their tails off. If they're not, you cut them and move to the next guy. That's the entire point. You are the coach. You are the person who's supposed to put the players in the best spot to win the games because you're paid to win games. You're not paid to make men out of them at this point. Like it just, so, you can I, do I, both, I, Greg. You, I, you can I'm, make them better people and win football <laughs> games. That's that's a thing that could happen. TV taught me be. that. Okay. And apparently, Jason, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sadekas can play darts left-handed. I did not realize that until I watched TV too. So, what's your point? Like the, <laughs> the fact remains, this this is an actual thing said by an actual head coach in an actual league. Like, it, it, this is not Apple TV. It, it was a constant with him. It was always that we'll be, I'm proud of the guys. I'm proud of the team. I'm. There's nothing to be proud of when you lose 14 straight post-Labor Day football games. You should be embarrassed for the team. You should be embarrassed on behalf of the fans and the organization. You should be, you should not be proud. There is nothing that these last two seasons have done that should make anybody proud of this organization on and off the field. So appreciate the the friendly goodbye, but, you know, see ya. Would have almost preferred a middle finger, to be honest. At least there would be some emotion with that. <laughs> um, one more note about the game. Um, I do have to say, so I was, I was the only member of us there at the game. Um, I'm not sure how it looked on TV because I haven't even bothered to go back and watch the highlights because why um tickets distributed they announced was just over twenty four thousand. scanned scanned was less than seventeen thousand. so a couple takeaways on that i sold my tickets when i realized that i wasn't making the game i put my tickets up at face value and someone actually bought my tickets all four of them i couldn't believe it i thought there's no there's no way I thought they were just, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try. I couldn't believe it. Damn, so I kind of regret not putting mine up there now. Because we just kind of said, there's tickets available everywhere. Nobody's talking about going. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I I couldn't go. I was in Lethbridge. You know, my seatmate couldn't go. He was feeling sick. So yeah. we just let the let tickets die. And you're, you're yep, telling nope. me I could have made 100 bucks? Apparently. Damn. Yep. Well, that'll learn yep. me. So there was 7,000 tickets that were distributed, whether that was given away or sold uh, for people that didn't show up. So 7,000 people that normally do show up did not show up. That's, I hope Craig Reynolds really, really took exception to that because that speaks volumes. That's the only way changes are going to happen ultimately with this organization, not just a head coach, but 
more. The fact that there was not even 17,000 people at this game, the lowest attended game since the Roy Shivers era, uh, since I think it was August of 20, 2006, uh, just before he got fired, actually. Like, it was just before he got fired. Um, and, like, and it sucks because it was actually a really nice afternoon for football. It was it was gorgeous outside. Fan Appreciation Day. And it meant, and it still meant something. They had to win. So there were still playoffs on the line. And the fact that that many people still didn't give a crap is, I hope the board of directors and, and all the upper management was, was paying attention to that because that's, like I said, that speaks volumes. I know we're going to talk about it in a minute with, uh, with the press conference that came later, but nothing I heard from Craig Reynolds makes me believe he saw what happened on, uh, on Saturday afternoon. Not a single thing. I don't think they're going to learn a thing from this season. I think it's going to take another season like this before they realize that it'll be too late. This organization needed, well, we'll get into that in a minute. Well, let, no, let's do that right now. Let's get to uh, to uh, Monday morning. So Sunday morning was uh, garbage bag day and players saying, oh, I hope I'm back next year. You hear that from every player. Um, Monday happens. And we get the news that uh, Craig Dickinson will not be retained. His contract's going to expire and the Riders will need a new head coach. Don't think it was that shocking to anybody. We all kind of expected it. Exactly fans, how I it was going to happen too. A lot of people wanted it to happen and it did. Um, so the immediate question jumps to what about Jeremy O'Day? Is it just him? Then the Riders sent out a press release saying that O'Day has been extended uh, for three years, or sorry, the extension wasn't even announced in there, like there how how long it was. It just said in the in the release that it was he's back for 2024. But you knew, but even before that, when they said Craig Reynolds and Jeremy O'Day will be speaking about yes. uh, Craig Dickinson, you knew that meant O'Day was staying. Yep. There's no there's no way Reynolds was going to roll O'Day up there to take the slings and arrows and then cut his throat in front of everybody. Okay, I would so, have respected the hell out of Craig Reynolds if he did that. Just turn to him, by the way, Jeremy, you're fired. In yeah, front of the yeah. entire media the old, the old, The old Vince McMahon. Straight Vince oh. him. Yep. Yeah. That that would have been the moment I think Craig Reynolds could have saved my faith in him is if he would have done that in front of the entire media room. Oh, respect for that. All right, so let's, let's go with Jeremy O'Day first. Um, Three-year contract your guys' initial thoughts on it being a three-year deal. It's all it was it's, ever going to be. <laughs> it's standard. Yeah. You're, if you're going to give him the chance to hire the next head coach, you got to give him some leg room so he's not a lame duck GM. We saw what that did last year when we looked for an OC. He, The guy coming in needs to know O'Day's the guy for his term. And they're going to tie their you know, their boats together, and wherever they go, they they, they do it together. So three years was always going to happen if they kept him. Agreed. You can't give him a one or a two year because that's definitely going to limit your coaching decisions. You're going to end up with a guy probably looking for his first coaching gig that is just hoping to go in. You're not going to get the established names that they're supposedly interested in or the high up names that are looking for their first coaching gig. You're going to end up with another Dickie at that point. 
Um, did you guys want the house to be cleared? Did you want all three of them or even two of the three gone? Because I'm seeing a lot of comments that saying that it was not enough. And I asked the question, was it enough? And people are saying, no, no, it wasn't. It should have been blown up top to bottom. And the more I thought about it, the more I tend to agree only in the sense that like a, I'm perfectly okay with Jeremy O'Day sticking around for three years. I do think he's brought in some very good talent. I think it was misused. His Canadian drafts have been excellent. He's brought in some good free agents. Look at the receivers he's brought in. Could hit a little bit better on the O-line and free agency, but whatever on that. They keep building towards that. Let's let's get that O-line there. He brought the quarterback in. Like he He's done some good things. But at the same time, he does have to wear the stink of two straight six and 12 seasons and collapsing as well. And watching his press conference, I just felt like when he was especially, you know, apologizing to Ryder fans, there was no sincerity there whatsoever. And the same thing with Craig Reynolds, actually. I didn't feel like there was anything. They're like, yeah, we're disappointed, uh, but we're going to work hard that you guys can be proud of us again. What? Like, no, you guys should be angry that we put together some really good teams and this is what happened and this is not going to happen again. Show some fire, show, show some intensity here. And there's still nothing. So at that point, that still shows to me that this, the whole organization needs a culture change from top to bottom, not just another scapegoat here with Craig Dickinson, just the same as it was last year with Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo. There's much bigger issues with this team from the top going down. And I just don't think until something like that happens or something changes there that we're going to see much difference in this team. We might have a few more wins, but I just can't see them being any more than just an average team for a while. The big thing that this organization needs to remember is they're no longer the rough riders of the Hobson era. Rider Nation was where players wanted to play. Fans filled the stadiums. Fans would buy anything with the logo on it. No questions asked. Didn't matter the markup. This organization no longer carries that swagger. But from what I've been hearing, they act like it is. And it's having issues with signing some free agents, with bringing people in from the coaching staff. They're, they're, they have... It's an ego. It's an ego thing. They think they are still that rider team from 2007 to 2013. And they think that still carries sway. It doesn't. You have two losing seasons in a row. You had a lame duck head coach at a lame duck GM. And you need to start realizing the riders aren't the so-called cream of the crop in the CFL anymore. Your attendance is down. Your sales are down. You're still making money. But you're not as making as much money as you should be. And I don't think they realize it that way. For me, I'm, I'm very much on the train that Craig Reynolds has to go. And if 17,000 butts in the seats on Saturday in a must win game, doesn't light a fire under his butt over this off season. I don't know what will, because that's the moment that this organization as a whole should look at and go, we're in trouble. Because that's a game that we sell out. That's a game that should be packed. And we look at that stadium and it's half full. And even the ones that are there couldn't really have cared much less. 
Like it was just, there was no atmosphere in that stadium. There was no desire to be there. And this, this combined with all of the issues with the, you know, the ticket invoices going out and the um, prices going up and no real announcement, but no, they're not actually going up. And it just seems like this organization doesn't have that community feel that it once did. There's no, there's no player presence out in the market. There's no, you know, uh, Ricky G, the, the person that we tailgate with mentioned, you know, you should have Gainer at, you know, your supermarket at the, at basically every event you can find, you should have players all over the, the province in the off season. This team needs to be front and center province wide. And I know they're not going to be, I have no faith that, that Reynolds is going to learn anything from Saturday night's debacle. He's just going to, he's going to look at the bottom line and go, Hey, we made $4 million last year. I'm doing my job and, you know, wash his hands of it and go, go at it again. You know, I, I'm okay with O'Day staying like you. I think he brought in enough talent to give him the opportunity to really hire his first head coach because he was locked into Dickinson because we've talked about it before with Chris Jones signing all his buddies and then running out the door. Right. And when he signed in 2019, I think everybody was happy with Dickinson staying, but now he's got the chance to really put his stamp on the staff along with the players he brings in. And I think giving him that chance is, is well-deserved. So Craig can go, Craig can go. Jeremy can stay. The no Craig's club. No Craig's club. <laughs> we're they not should just have one. Any Craig you know, there yeah, we're allowed to have at least one. You can have yeah. one. So I guess we do now. Yeah. So this is the no Craig's club. Um, <clears throat> question that I have. Jeremy O'Day was told on Sunday morning he's being kept around. He didn't know about Dickinson getting let go until Monday which to me is, okay, well, who's really pulling the strings here? Clearly not Jeremy O'Day. He doesn't even get to choose that. If if it wasn't his call, that's clearly coming from up, atop, up top, right? Which ultimately it was the right move. It was the move that had to be made. But if he doesn't know about it until the morning of, and then, oh, hey, by the way, we're going to get rid of him. So go go tell him, okay? Like that's just, I don't like that style of, of dealing with it to me, that should have been a, an O'Day call and, and not a Reynolds call, which is what it appears to be. Um, I don't know. Am I making too much of that? No, it, I agree with was, you hundred percent. There's no reason. Call. There's no reason the GM shouldn't be making that decision. Why the, the president and CEO is, sticking his hands in the football side of the organization outside of hiring the GM is bonkers to me. I don't, I don't like it. It's not how it should be. You know, you hire your GM to make those calls and then you tell him what he's going to do. So who's hiring the next head coach? You know, how much pull does O'Day have? If none, why is he there? Fire them all then. Well, that's it. Like, I understand if there's, but with Dickie on a expiring contract, it doesn't matter. There's no financial obligations to the coach's cap at this point. You're just going to let it run out anyway. 
I can see a situation where it's going to be, hey, we're going to let him go, just making sure you're okay with it, and then maybe that's all it was. But, yeah, that was a weird way to put that in that press conference. Um, so, anyway, we got the news. Craig Dickinson uh, no longer going to be the head coach of this football team. Um, Jeremy O'Day gets to choose his first head coach, which – Hopefully he's the one that chooses um, and Craig Reynolds sticks around, which I think we all kind of felt was going to happen. It was only going to be Dickinson that goes, but um, I, I don't think I could get any worse for a coaching uh, next year. So that puts me, I feel better about that already. And I don't even know who the new coach is. So I'm already looking forward to next year. Um, so the question is who should that coach be? And we'll get to that here in just a minute. That's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. And here in the Churchill Brewing Company, odds and end zones. Okay, guys, two questions. Who should the next head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders be? Let's, let's play GM here. You're Jeremy O'Day. You have your list of probably three or five that you really, really like. Who are they? Who is your number one? Head number one. <laughs> Go ahead, Greg. Uh, number one is the name that everyone's talking about, Scott Milanovic. We need an offensive head coach. And I think, especially considering he was supposed to coach Trevor Harris in that COVID season Edmonton, that got yep. shut down in Edmonton, I, I, I was very interested to see what the Elks could have been underneath that. So I think he's definitely... And you look at what he's done since he took over Hamilton, calling the plays. Hamilton has turned it around. I am very curious to see what he could do in this. Uh, if we can bring back the Baines, if we can bring back the Amelises, the Moros, I'm very curious on what he can do. My my biggest issue with Milanovic, and it should worry everybody, he's a sub-500 head coach. 40, 46 and 49 in his career. Outside of his great cup season, he's been average at best. I'd love to see him as the offensive coordinator. I'm not sure I want to see him as a head coach. To me, he's the he's the top tier of your typical old boys club rehires. He's that name that gets thrown around right away. And I know the last time we went out and got the the up and coming guy to to be the head coach and GM, it went to hell in a handbasket. But I'd like to see us do that again. I, I think this is the time. To, we've got nothing to lose. We're coming off of two garbage seasons. We need to we need to light some hope in the in the organization and in the market. Get that young up and coming guy. I'm I'm fully on board the either the Jordan Maximic train or the Corey Mace train. And I think I prefer the offensive mind. But that's always going to be me. I always prefer an offensive co coach. But you need to go to that next guy, see what they can do. And I know Craig Dickinson was, you know, a next guy at one point. I don't think anybody ever expected him to be a head coach in the CFL, but he was that young, you know, next guy, I guess. But I want to see us take a chance on that, that true up and coming coach that has paid their dues and is the next guy on the list. Let it be here. Why not? 
All right. Well, it won't be Henry Burris. It won't be Mark Mueller. It won't be Kerry Joseph, as I've seen some people throw out. It will not be any of them. Tad Cornegate. Well, Tad Cornegate, Tad Cornegate, well, be our president. president of football ops. <laughs> um, Stop it. it. Will not, that will not Hi, be Tad either. Anyway, um, so who should should the coach be? I have Milanovic down at number four, for being perfectly honest. I put on my list of five. And number one is Jordan Maximic. What he did with Nathan Rourke, what he's doing with uh, Vernon Adams, uh, he's paid his dues as positional coach. He's getting his shot as OC in BC, and they have the best, most explosive offense in the league. They need that. They need that here. And you go with the young guy, and I love that. I would hope that he's at the top of the list. I love Corey Mace. I love, love, love Corey Mace. I would not be upset at all if he ended up getting the job. I don't care that he just got an extension in Toronto. You make that phone call because there's still a promotion there waiting for him. And he resonates. He's still such a young guy. He played with half the players on the Argos over with the stamps. This guy knows how to get the most out of guys that are almost his age, that are basically in that same age group. He knows how to get to these young guys. And it's a different way of coaching now. And the old Don Matthews hard-nosed way, that doesn't fly anymore. You have to find a, a new way to get to this new generation of players. And I feel Corey Mace has that. And I know somewhere he's going to get a shot in the next couple of years. I prefer him to... I don't know. I, I'd, I'd prefer Maximic to him, but I would not be upset by that. Um, and you mentioned the the contract extension. Everybody keeps saying that's your big deterrent, and Toronto did that, so nobody comes calling. Toronto knows people are going to be coming calling. They're locking him in at that level. If somebody wants to give him a promotion, he'll take it, and they'll let him go, but they want to know that yeah. next season he is their DC. No, Red, Red Black screwed that up for everybody. Red Blacks, now in order to do that, there has to be an agreement between the two teams, which usually means a trade, because the Red Blacks got very, very whiny that people were leaving them for promotions. People so it's, it's, no, it's, 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 it's no longer the handshake deal where, hey, there's promotion, you can go. It's not that easy anymore. And for eight organizations, it's absolutely still that easy. Wow. We will see. There's going to be because someone, if you, be if someone you block promotions, we see what's happening in Ottawa now. They're having trouble bringing in staff and bringing in players because their organization decided to be bitter about guys leaving for promotions. Teams aren't going to do that again. If you have that shot to be a head coach, they're going to let you go. Toronto seems like the type of organization, especially that with with pinball at the top, that isn't going to hold a guy back. I, I don't think that's a concern. I think they knew what they were doing when they signed that extension. They said, you're our DC. If you get a promotion, we can talk. But we know we want you here at that level. And I just looked it up. It looks like the Lions are all on one-year rotating deals anyway. So Maximic's contract's end, uh, done at the end of 2023. You guys make uh, the Ottawa, Ottawa Red Black sound like my old employer. How dare you leave us for something better? You have us. <laughs> I, I will never forget that when that happened. I'm like, are you kidding me? That was always the deal in the CFL. If a guy has an opportunity to move up in a position, you let him go. And then they kicking and screaming, you're not taking our guys. It's like, wow. Okay, who will 
be the next Riders head coach? We're taking our guesses here. Who is it? Scott Milanovic. I mean, it's going to be Scott Milanovic. As much as I hate it, he's the he's the obvious choice, especially in this market. This isn't the market that takes the chance on the young up and comer. Well, it's... especially especially you got to think of coming from the guy who's supposed to be hiring him, Jeremy O'Day, who just had two back to back losing seasons. Him to take a shot on an unproven quantity after being stuck with an unproven quantity. I don't see him doing it. I, I don't think he's got the cojones. Yeah. yeah, it'll be Scott Milanovic. Again, not upset by that. I just feel there's a couple that really, really deserve it more. And Steve, to your point about him being, you know, the uh, under 500 as a coach, what coaches above 500 are out there? Mark Tressman? <laughs> Please no. You only bring him in if Anthony Calvillo is still quarterbacking. Yeah, but like... Name me I a good coach that's out there, right? Like I saw, I saw somebody recommend Jeff Reinbold today, and I don't think no. I've laughed harder. I love Reinbold as a human being; he's awesome. But his his years in Winnipeg showed that head coaching is not for him. Maybe that's a special teams coordinator thing. It just they that's where they top out. That's a specific mold. But and that's fine. There's nothing wrong yeah, with that. Absolutely, and I mean, I don't think he needs the head coaching role. Look at what he does. You know, with uh, with Sky Sports, the NFL, he's got a great side hustle. He's side good. Hustle. Yeah, he doesn't need all that uh, extra stress. Just like Craig didn't need it for snowboarding season. I uh, they're gonna go with Milanovic. I think we can all pretty much write that down. As soon as uh, Hamilton's season is over, we can we can go ahead and make that call. But I don't know if it's the right one. It's not the scary choice. Now. Hamilton, that's a discussion as well, too. Do they move Milanovic up to head coach themselves? Um and and keep Orlando Steinauer off the off the sidelines. Because there could be a succession plan there, the same way that we would assume that there is in, in Winnipeg if Kyle Walters isn't brought back as as GM, then Michael Shea moves up to that role. They have a head coaching opening. You give that to Buck Pierce, who I would absolutely welcome here as well. So maybe maybe there's a knock on Milanovic that way, that maybe he isn't as available as everyone's speculating. It's I think that'll depend entirely on how well Hamilton does in the playoffs. And if history suggests anything, it won't go very far. Like we we learned a few weeks ago, it's been 60 years since a third place team in the east has made the great cup let alone won it that's wild i, that's I know wild to me every time i can bring that stat up i want to because that's just absurd to me that's one of the weird stats in the league but i think if they make a great cup appearance i think orlando steinhauer might keep his job but if not that that would be the obvious succession plan and then what Oh no, we're stuck with Meximic. Oh well. <laughs> no, we'd screw that up somehow. Um, just I will say this, just don't make it a special teams coach. We've seen don't make it Mark Killam. I was gonna say um, Mark Killam, the Mark Killam <laughs> train is now uh, leaving the station. And, well, I mean his special teams were awful this year in Calgary. Yeah. Um, but you look at uh, Bobby Dice, special teams guy, awful coach in Ottawa, great guy, bad head coach. Craig Dickinson, exact same thing here. Jeff Reinbold, same thing. Great. Michael Shea, or, terrible great coach. Coordinator. 
<laughs> great coordinators right but just that's and that that's where they top out at and that's perfectly fine you need those guys around um just not here for the head guy that's that's all i'm hoping for um but we did want to bring out some of the good stuff this year we've it's been a rather negative year here in riderville and as we put this season to rest as we have i mean craig dickinson gave his eulogy i guess we're going to give our eulogy right now for the 2023 saskatchewan rough riders um and it's it's not a somber somber moment let's we're celebrating that's what we do that's what funerals should be about is we, celebrating we need... the good good times um like the time Sarah McLaughlin, I will remember you in the background for this part. We, we don't do get the money remember, for that. Do you guys remember when CJ Sims didn't know the rules? I, I remember my, and gave the my riders video, a win. Remember my video with the bad recorder playing my heart will go on to it. Just <laughs> oh, beautiful time. Beautiful time. Thank you, Chris Jones, for not coaching your players up well enough uh, for them to know about the rouge giving the riders one of their six wins. And uh, yeah. hey, I want, I want to thank Chris Jones for already announcing that it's going to be an open competition at training camp for their quarterback. I mean, <laughs> he refuses to admit he made a mistake. Theoretically, he's right. Every Nobody should be given their job. You should have to go out and earn it. But at the same time, Taylor Cornelius didn't really earn that job. Except your Jarrett Daggy didn't earn that job. Trey Ford did. And he should at least have the upper hand going into training camp is what should be said. But that's Chris Jones for you. He'll never, he's the one that signed Taylor Cornelius to that new contract. That's his guy. And they're still paying the man, which it yep. even cracks me up. Like that, yep. that should have been one of the first contracts off the books. And I, I honestly forgot he was still in the league. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I thought he was released weeks ago. I don't know why, but you know, do you want if you want to talk about memories and, and Chris Jones, how about the, uh, the week one goal line stand and the team actually giving us hope in the defense. That was for, great. You know, at least a few moments. Do you remember yeah, when like sat down in that game, the, the design, oh. the offensive yeah. design in that by Kelly Jeffrey. That was right. great. We actually thought, okay, well, if that's what we're going to see out of this offense this year, look out. Long live the Kelly Jeffrey reign. Of one game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was the beginning and the end. But you know what? It was a beautiful story. Yeah. Um, those that burn the brightest burn the shortest. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nick Marshall. This past game, uh, that was a typical Nick Marshall game. Gets oh, an interception yeah. and then gets beat deep and gives up on the play. Oh, um, my my, D, my my DMs were amazing because there was both the uh, blank Nick Marshall nodding nodding head and blank Nick Marshall shaking head. <laughs> and he's one of the free agents. We're going to talk about all the free agents next week. We need something to talk about next week because there's no game to talk about. Um, so we'll do all that. And Nick Marshall is one of them. And I'm pretty sure we're all on the same side on whether the riders should sign him or not. Maximum um, contract. <laughs> um, but is it, remember the interception against Calgary in overtime in Calgary too. Um, given the riders, you know, three and that put them to uh two and one and they beat Edmonton the next week. So that was, 
that was a good time. That was a good time. Trevor Harris had a good game that Jamal Morrow absolutely dominated that game. 100%. There's also the 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 typical annual Grey Cup win on Labor Day. Yeah. Always worth celebrating. And you know, the best thing that happened in that game was the Riders giving up their touchdown in overtime because the, all they had to do was make one play <laughs> at the end on the two-point convert. I and told everyone around me, I'm like, that's a yeah. good thing. That is a yeah. great thing for us. You only need one play instead of having to do three straight, right? Yeah. So, um, the, the, the game Lothar. against B- oh, yeah, Brett Lothar, yeah. Uh, Brett Lothar hitting a 54-yard 50 yard field goal against Ottawa to beat them, uh, a game that they pissed away and somehow managed to still win. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of which, BC? Yeah, they tried <laughs> to give that one away. Uh, well, they came out fired up because you made that song about them. <laughs> and I got absolutely ripped on that. Um, Little did we know you were just ahead of your time. Yes. Um, what about all the good spots in the second half of the season? Well, there was and that crickets time where um, uh, they gave us rings. Only one per account. Yeah. I love how much that's riled people up. People are <laughs> mad about that. People are more mad about one ring than the, the team's record, which is, cracks me up even more. Just get separate accounts now. Just that's call what, the that's ticket what I did finally this year. I split my yeah. my three tickets into three accounts. Yeah. I've had them pay, in my name since 06. You Not can anymore. Pay them with whatever credit card. It doesn't matter. You can pay somebody yeah. else's. Steve, you could pay yeah. mine if you wanted. No, I can't. Uh, <laughs> I can barely pay mine. Okay, we'll get Greg to pay for it then. There we go. Um, I, I got to be able to work to make money. We, uh, it's a good question asking about the good times in the second half. Um, I mean, we got, I got, we got oh, Shormacon. That was excellent. I got to play bubble soccer at IG Field. You did. You were on the fun. field at the same time with Chris Trevler. That Trevler. was good times. Yeah. Oh, I wish I would have known. I would have accidentally on purpose bowled him over. And it would have been glorious. I probably would have been ejected, but it would have been worth it. Um, and who can forget the time they went bowling? <laughs> to enjoy each other's company one more time. One last week. What I look forward to our live I look forward to our live bowling episode. Um, so <laughs> I'm gonna peel back the curtains here a little bit. Um I said after this game, we should go bowling for our next episode. I think that would be funny. Um, then Greg decided to have surgery and yes. put him out of commission yep. for a while. <laughs> Nothing good ever month. happened with Greg in this At least podcast. a month. Jeez. I, I did say that. Uh-oh. I don't he know what you said, say... Alex. He did say something. <laughs> We need, you know what we need to do? We need to get like the Jeopardy music for when somebody cuts out. <laughs> do, 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 and don't get me wrong. Do, I was all do, for bowling, do. but yes, unfortunately, I am on the shelf for the foreseeable future due to uh, emergency surgery. That's... I am fine. Uh, oh, did we just hear? There him? we go. There he's back. Jeez. You were, you were just saying. You're just yeah. saying. And then you just I love that. You literally said, I said. And we're like, we'll never know what he said. No. Yeah. Rider Nation can tell us Sorry what you said. <laughs> and then I turn the Wi-Fi off on my phone, which is sitting beside me, and then this works again. So 
weird. I don't know. I don't understand technology, man. Either hey, do at least I you're not an IT guy. It. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think we should still go bowling. That'd be, oh, that'd be a good way bowling. to end this 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 year. A fitting way to send off the riders is we should we should go bowling and have a pizza party, and maybe someone will bring their dog. Maybe that'll maybe be, that'll be our special edition Grey Cup week. Ah, I like that. Yeah, well, let's cool. do that. Yeah, we'll go bowling. That'll be that'll be great. Um, yeah. So we put to rest the riders 2023 season. Disappointing for sure. Upsetting, very frustrating. Um, but I think we can look forward to a new future with a new head coach. And I'm really excited uh, to see who that is going to be. Um, I'm expecting it to be Milanovic. I'm not upset by that. Um, either way, it's it should be a good future going forward. And hopefully they're calling people right now. They called him yesterday, called him the day before. Um, and are finding their, their next guy. If anything, it's going to be a different voice in the room, which is probably going to help. Well, it'll be a voice that's actually in the room, which will help because we know oh. Craig Dickinson didn't like to go in the room. Yeah. That's the player's space. And uh, Greg, I know you're upset by this, but I know we have a lot of uh, followers up in the Saskatoon area um that listen to the show watch the show um congratulations to the saskatoon hilltops uh beating the thunder in uh in the pfc championship and what was a pretty good game um very tight game i watched yeah. i watched the whole game it was uh, uh which on is, my djfl tv account which and and you it was, expect it was, that from these two teams right like it, it was it was back no, and forth it was yeah back and forth like the thunder had the lead going into the fourth and Hilltops were just better for about five minutes, and that's all that uh, that's all they needed, and they wrote it out. So well, Davidson uh, had that huge touchdown run, and yep, yeah, that was that was the difference in the game. That was uh, it was a good good season by the Thunder, of course. Um, good season by the Hilltops, and the Hilltops now are going to host uh, the Ontario Football Conference's Saint Clair Saints on Sunday in the national semifinal. Um, it's going to be a molly whopping. Yeah, Ontario. yeah, the Hilltops are going to crash them. Ontario is never good. I'm sorry. I know some players in the OFC conference. The Ontario conference is terrible. There's a reason why the uh, Canadian Bowl is always between BC and the PFC. And it's, I don't know, is it going to be the Okanagan Sun again? Uh, uh, it's West Shore versus the Okanagan Sun this weekend. West Shore actually is also a very good team. And I believe they actually have the Sun's number this season. So uh, they're basically the BC's versions of the Thunder uh hilltops so uh that one's a coin flip but i think west shore is probably going to take it and the uh the championships in bc is that right that is the winner yeah. of the bc game host Hosts. that's why the hilltops are hosting the ofc so got it uh so from uh most of us here uh good luck to the hilltops i know greg you're nope you won't Can't completely go that route can do it, <laughs> <Can't> do it. <laughs> Uh, good luck to the Hilltops this Sunday against St. Clair. Um, well, there's no riders. I mean, the season's still going on and there's three games this week. And there's no sport. There's no lines. Cause no one knows who's nothing. playing. Yeah. 
these games mean nothing. And I feel bad for the league trying to market these three games. How do you go to any kind of fans and say, hey, please watch these three games? Um, nothing to play for. I, yeah. And I think that was like they're already I know they're trying to market the East and the West semifinals already. Um, but I'm like, guys, there's you still have to try to hype up this weekend just to keep people's interest for one more week going into the playoffs so they don't forget about the playoffs in two weeks. Um, it's three exhibition games. Um, we'll make coin flip picks, I guess, here. The first game is Winnipeg at Calgary, even with backups probably playing for both teams. Yeah, I'm going to say Winnipeg wins. There's no lines, like you said, so make up a spread. I'll take Winnipeg. Winnipeg should win, and it should be a boring football game. It's going to be one of those vanilla offenses all week long. Nobody's going to show anything, especially this game and Hamilton-Montreal. Hamilton-Montreal. Those are potential matchups. Yep. They're not going to show each other a darn thing. It's going to be as basic a game at, game plan as you can put together. Just get through it healthy. And it's a real shame because um, if there was an East final on the line and Hamilton-Montreal meant something – that could have been a fun little battle to, you know, win or host the the rematch. That'd be delightful, but no, they mean nothing. Oh, no. If I had to borrow parla- uh, some parlance from uh, Doug Brown, the Winnipeg is looking a little chicken. Mm-mm. So uh, I think no, 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 they, they earn the right to do that, though. Oh, okay. I saw him say that. They earn the right to do that. Okay. Which Toronto, you know, didn't, though. Toronto didn't do that four weeks ago. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Actually, I think Calgary is going to try to keep some momentum going in. It doesn't matter if it's a meaningless game or not. I think Calgary wants to at least look like they can be competitive. So I think Calgary's going to come in with a little more fire than Winnipeg. I think Calgary's going to Nothing would be more CFL than the 4-11 uh, Winnip- or Calgary Stampeders going on a winning streak and making the playoffs and winning the Great Cup. I, I would love to see any other team but Calgary in that position do that. I hope Calgary is a one and done, but how CFL would that be for them to to squeak into the playoffs and then then go on a little streak? They'd have to beat the the teams that they're going to play to get there. Yeah, which is if, actually if really can, impressive. If if they can squeak in the playoffs and at least punch Winnipeg in the mouth, I I will come wearing a red hat the following uh, podcast. I'm not buying stamps merch, but I will wear something red. Because I would love nothing more than Winnipeg just to be shut up for once. I'll join you. I have a red and white hat. It's uh, I won't, it's I won't got say a, what company it is. It's they, got a kernel on it. It's yeah. They they <laughs> fry up chicken in a state in the states, um, but it's from the 1984 Grey Cup um, in Edmonton. So really Still weird. Got to be a red CFL and white hat. I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so awesome. Um, <laughs> The only thing to watch in this game is how long to me is how long Grady Olivia or Olivera plays because uh, he's two yards away rushing from yeah. 1500 and I think 50 scrimmage yards away from 2000. Yeah. And to me, if he gets those, he's slam dunk for MOP. Um, he be- well, from the Winnipeg bombers. voters, Winnipeg voters are going to put uh, Claros out there. You know it. Yeah, he'll be he'll yeah, he'll be the MOP. Olivera no, they'll get the, the mo- Canadian yeah, MOC. Yeah, yeah. it's like oh, they already got a they already got an award for the Canadians. We, like, no, he's your most outstanding player. Make him your most outstanding player. 
who is it from the West that gets it? Is it Matthew Betts or is it Brady Oliveira? It's Oliveira. If Oliveira gets two thousand yards, but it's Oliveira. Betts has the single season record for sacks by a Canadian, though. No, won't matter. Fancy Oliveira, stats, fancy years, stats always trump a history. defense. It, it'll be it'll be Brady, and it won't be close. It should be close, and it should be Betts, but it won't be. Betts will get most outstanding defensive player. Yep. More than likely, at least from the West anyway. Um, second game of the week, Hamilton at Montreal. Again, would be pretty interesting to see what they do uh, just because we know that's the exact matchup next week in the semifinal, Hamilton at Montreal. This is going to be a preseason game. They are not going to use anything that they have planned for the for the semifinal. This is going to be the most vanilla offenses. You might see a couple blitzes here and there. Like it's going to be a boring game. 60 minutes of kneel downs and punting. <laughs> it might as well be, honestly. Um, I think Hamilton has more to gain by keeping their starters in than Montreal does. Um, just because fully by Mitchell hasn't really played a lot since coming back. Uh, it's been a tandem with him and uh, Matthew Schiltz. So I don't know, maybe he was just managing reps for Bo until they get to the playoffs, but I don't know. I'll be interested to see how that kind of shakes out, how long each of them plays, but I, otherwise, whatever, I'll take Montreal. I don't know who's going to win this one, but I can tell you who's going to lose. And it's going to be anybody watching, looking for exciting football. Because it's it's just going to be sixty minutes of nothing, and again, come out healthy. Sure, I, I'll I'll take Montreal just for fun. I'll take Hamilton just for fun, just to be the adversary on that. You're not going out boring Montreal, so uh, Montreal. Um, and the final game of the year: Toronto at Ottawa. Ottawa can play whoever they want; they're going to lose. Toronto's backups are they're a deep team. They're very deep team. They'll win. I don't care who they're playing. Yeah, this one's easy. And they'll they'll go and tie the CFL record for for wins in a year at sixteen and two. They got a little you bit know, to play for because that's a that's a thing they'd probably want to hit the backups especially. You know, actually, I was talking to uh, some of the Argo fans that came here uh, for the game this past weekend. We went out with a with a bunch of them Saturday night, um, had some drinks, and I said to said to them. You know, I hope you guys run the table. I hope you get 16 and two and win the gray cup because nobody's done that before with that record, 16 and two and a gray cup. You can argue is the greatest team of all time. No. So if they can go out there and do that, I mean, you can say goodbye to Edmonton and their 16 and two record in 89. And this would be arguably the greatest team of all time. So for something like that, I, you know, Kind of want to see. Also, to be fair, I want to see Montreal win the Grey Cup, just so Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo. Um, I like chaos, you guys. Like, I, just, I can't, if, I can't, if they I can't take Grey Cup, that much pain. Could you, <laughs> the uproar that would happen if that if that were to come true? Like, oh man. Here, you know what I just realized? Since you just brought up the 1982, uh, 1989 uh, uh, Imagine if Hamilton, this was the year the East, the third team in the East makes the uh, Grey Cup because that's going to be an exact run back of the 89 Grey Cup then. 
Yep. <laughs> Beat the sixteen and two team. Yep. Yep. Third third place. So. Yeah. So that's uh a week of pretty boring games. I hope they're good though, because I'm gonna have them on. It's just matter whether matter of whether i'm paying attention to them or not i'll, I'll uh, have them on because i'm a degenerate so yeah exactly <laughs> yeah give me football um, i don't care and bad football, more, good football. we're rider fans we're used to bad football um one more rider related note actually before we leave is uh daniela ponticelli leaving uh saskatchewan she announced that uh doing the uh the post game show for ckrm that was going to be her last one uh as she's Moving out east. So, so good for Daniela. Hey, the worst part about being Regina, it's a stepping stone for anyone with any true talent. So their time here is is short. Like look look at the people that have gone through here, like uh, Julie Julie Stewart Binks, uh, Claire Hanna. Like it's it's not hard for anyone that's really good to move on out of Regina. So I look forward to see what her career brings. If you've watched anything with her career, it's been an absolute skyrocket over the last few years. She did the first, she was the first female announcer for a WHL game a few weeks ago. You know, it sucks for Regina. She was great on the post game show as somebody who drives uh, uh, Uber on the weekends. It was, uh, I, I got a good chance to listen to most of those post game shows and she made them entertaining despite, you know, over the last two years. Not a lot of fun to talk about. It was still worth listening to, and it was a good show. And you know, we'll uh, we'll definitely miss her around the city. And I'm curious what where that post and pregame show will go next year because it definitely is uh, has been a positive over the over the last couple of years. Well, on, I, Piffles post game. <laughs> um, Even if we don't apply, to... somebody will say we did. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm not privy to any of the information, what she may or may not be doing out there. Um, but I have a weird feeling that there's a new professional women's hockey league starting out in, uh, and with a team in Toronto that, uh, could probably use someone of Daniela's experience. Um, so I hope that's, uh, might be one of the things that's potentially considered. Um, again, that's honestly just a guess on my end. I know nothing about that. That's just my hopes. Um, but we're all going to wish her the best. And I think it's going to come down to, um, we don't know what we had here in Saskatchewan until it's gone. And I feel that's what it's going to be with Daniela Ponticelli because she was fantastic, uh, at her job, um, uh, doing the sideline reporting and then doing pre and post game shows. Mm -hmm. So Daniela, we, we wish you the best. Um, uh, I know we'll be, we'll be in talks. We'll see her again before she ends up fully moving on out East, um, as they'll be making one more stop here uh, in Regina. So, but other than that, we do put to rest the 2023 Saskatchewan Rough Riders season on, on a good note because Craig Dickinson's gone. You guys, I'm just, I'm so happy about that. <laughs> I've said it and I will continue to say, it, and I will always say it. Great man. Great, great, great person. Craig Dickinson is just an awful head coach. It um, feels bad dancing on somebody's career right, grade, like, but you don't want it's hard to you don't want to celebrate it, but you have to at this point. You have to look at the positives that have come from the last few weeks and go, you know, there's hope for next year. Yes, yes it comes at the cost of his job. He'll be fine. 
somebody's going to hire him as a special teams coordinator before he can blink. And I would, I wouldn't be surprised if he's uh, over in Calgary, to be honest. Yeah. He's got no connections over there. Won't be there. Yeah. Yeah. My guess is actually. You think Chris Jones is going to hire him? Who do you, why? How do you think he got the head coaching job? Well, (laughs) he owes, he owes Chris Jones, I guess. Yeah. Uh, And Chris Jones was, he hired him to be the special teams guy here. You think you think he's gonna hire him again? Why wouldn't he? Good special teams guy. He clearly clearly likes the guy. He did enough to sign him for two years before he ran out the door. Can't and let's face it, the, well, Edmonton's special teams obviously were not coached up properly. <laughs> Sims slash CJ. So I don't he'll know. Be, he, he'll land on his feet. He's he'll be land. somewhere next year for sure. Just glad it's. Not as the head coach here. here. But that will do it for us here this week on the Piffles podcast. I'm looking forward to next week when we start looking at free agents um, and then keepers of this team. And also, when does Jeremy O'Day start re-signing some of these guys? Because, you know, it kind of depends on does your head coach, who you don't have yet, even want these guys around. So... I'm I'm really excited to see how this is all going to shape out for the Riders. Um, the sooner they can figure out their coaching situation, the better. Um, at least in terms of the head coach, not too worried about the assistants yet, um, and who the you know offensive coordinator, defensive coordinators are going to be. Just get that head coach ready in place, and you can start building a team from there. Um, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Until then, this is the Piffles Podcast, of course, brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks always go out to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making the show possible. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching on YouTube or Sass Tell Max. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert.